Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey, and welcome to the DJE Podcast. Today we have for you something special. This is the Texas Land Beat hosted by Mr. Gaines Slade and Gaines and DJE partnered up way back in 2020 to start buying rural Texas land. And we've made it a, a major division in our company today. And so we're creating the Texas Land Beat series over the next couple of months here where Gaines will interview experts in the land space. So going to be learning things uh, like things about tax exemptions, about improvements to make to your ranch, all kind of things in the ranch or rural land world. Uh, Gaines is with Caldwell Banker and runs their Texas land sales division. So a wealth of knowledge to be had on the Texas land beat series here. I've absolutely fallen in love with uh, Texas rural land and it's become a big part of our business. And so it made sense to incorporate that here into the DJE podcast. So I'm going to turn it over to Gaines and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. All right. DJE podcast listeners, this is Gaines Slade and we are coming to you with Episode two of the Texas Land Beat on the DJE podcast. Today, I have a friend and colleague joining me, Mr. Dusty Alexander, good buddy of mine. Um, I met Dusty, just a little bit of background before we dive into all things, uh, a little bit of Western hunting talk, and we are going to talk today <laughs> about, um, we're going to talk about what Dusty does at the firm he works at called Plateau Wildlife. And the reason that's of interest to the listeners, I think, is that is right in line with um, ag exemption and wildlife exemption mm -hmm. for your potential property, which is huge on your taxes. Uh, but before we get into uh, all of that, uh, I met Dusty uh, years ago. At, God, we're getting old. Uh, one of the first guys I met, uh, we met shooting bows and at a men's group, uh, through a mutual friend and have stayed in touch. Uh, he is to say he's a busy man would be an understatement. You have three, three, yep, three, three beautiful children, uh, and spends his time, uh, at his home up in Canyon Lake or in that area. Mm -hmm. And... Amongst many other things, besides working at Plateau Wildlife, uh, he is dad coach <laughs> yeah. for every yep. sport known to man. Every time I talk to him, he's doing something. And uh, loves to go out west, and um, we, we share that bug. Loves to go out west and chase critters. Before we talk about work stuff, let's talk about fun stuff. <laughs> uh -oh. Are you going this year? How long you want it to be? Yeah, uh, how, long, right. how long we got? Are you going this year? Are yeah. you going out west, Colorado? Yes, yeah, so actually back already. We went... Oh, you um, went for September. Yep, oh yeah, yeah, we right. bow hunt um, almost exclusively out west. Uh, you know, got to get that rut hunt. Uh, good trip? It was good, yeah, yeah, it was a grind. We were in a new area this year, so that made me a little nervous. I kind of do all the e-scouting and stuff, oh, yeah. so... I had, uh, had a lot to do before we left, but we didn't draw anything. You know, New Mexico won't give me a tag. Nope. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, so we went over the counter, Colorado, um, had to learn some new areas, um, had to jump spots a lot this year to find. Yep. They, they were quiet. Um, finally, of course, you know, 
last day we're hunting, of course. next to last bench that we <laughs> were going to check, we found found three bulls on there, and uh, we were able to call one in. Got lucky. I got an arrow into him at nine yards. You know. See, I'm just hearing this for the first time. And, uh, That's yeah. how busy we've been. Yeah, yeah. So you got one on the ground this yep. year. Yeah. Congrats, yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Just um, let's see. I think it was the tw- September 21st. Okay. Yep. So elk meet at my door. What another couple of days? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I didn't even know that. Yeah, man. God, we're moving too fast, no, man. Dude, I know. I was just talking to Alex about that. Just busyness. You know? Yeah. And, like my kids are all normally in we're texting, and, and see oh, September's dude. come and gone. And I didn't even know you went this year. I mean, I know you go every year. I didn't know you had success. Yeah, and it's the same, same here. Like, I was thinking through. I was like, oh, man, I never texted so-and-so a picture. Any, you know, like, ah, man, busy. Congratulations, because I know exactly how hard that is to go out on public with a, with a bow and arrow and, and find success. So, And yeah, I know you had to work hunt. for that. Y'all go every year with a good group. Y'all killed a bear last year? Did I so, dream that? Or two years ago? Um, the bear... Yeah, so one of the guys got a bear. That was actually, gosh, three years ago we killed a bear. Nice. And that thing was, well, you measured it. It was Pope and Young, yeah. Boone and Crockett. That's a nice one. Um, just luck, yep. you know. Just hey, you can't. You walk can't... by the right water hole at the wrong time, you know. Um, you got to be out there to do it. Yeah, and so, uh, and that actually turned out to be some of my favorite game meat I've ever had yeah. was bear meat. It's not dude. bad. Oh, so good. And then the following year <clears throat> we killed a good bull in Colorado um and then got another one the year after that and then this year i got we got mine so i called in a couple others um it's been fun man i'm, I'm it's an it, it's an addiction oh, it, it bit me years ago and uh <clears throat> it was always a bucket list for me and then finally just made it happen and but the first one's always the hardest you, the, the the initial go is always the hardest and i i mm-hmm. my phone will start ringing and, and we'll get into the We'll get into the work stuff here in a minute, but my phone starts ringing around January with folks that, you know, have been thinking about it, and it's on my list. and And I always say the same thing: you got to go. You just have just to go. go. You're not going to have all the answers. You just have yep. to get in the truck, point west, and commit. and And that's the first step. Yep, for sure. And that's actually one of my favorite things to do is like talk to dudes that haven't made that leap yet, mm-hmm. you know, and just try to. Because that's what it takes. You just got to go. And there's so much unknown and apprehension. And I get it. But you're not going to figure that stuff out. You're not going to have all the answers. You can be prepared. There's a difference between going hat in hand. Um, Especially in a technological age we're in. You can be far more prepared. When I first started going, I was still buying the USF maps and and Mm -hmm. literally doing it all by phone call and scribbling on maps. Onyx has changed a lot of that. And that'd be something I would say for any of our folks that are looking into land, land ownership, anything. Onyx is an amazing tool, super cheap, on your phone, incredible tool for not only planning hunts, but land investment. I use it for work all the time. I yeah, use it y'all hunting. live on it. Yeah, but I use yeah. Onyx a lot looking at land ownership, property boundaries, stuff like that. It's great. I love great it. resource. Well, that's uh, so we've got a super busy guy who goes out and kills public land elk with a bow. Um, he'll call him any time. He'll give you all his spots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I know I, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time. So that's how you and I met. Let's mm-hmm. let's dive into uh, you work at Plateau Land and Wildlife Management. That's the actual official name. Uh, you can find them on the web at plateauwildlife.com. Um you guys do a litany of things, but before we get into what you do, tell me about the firm. Give me a little, just blow yeah. by history. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Plateau has been around since um, 1997, right? Mm -hmm. So the wildlife management exemption sort of became widely available to landowners in 95. Um, and actually, our founders um, were, two of our founders were, were instrumental in getting it passed, getting the legislation through there in 95 that brought it, that made it available widely mm -hmm. for, for landowners. And um, a big part of their role in the very beginning was spreading the, the good word basically like trying to raise awareness of this exemption mm -hmm. um and they would go around to appraisal districts and teach them about the, this new exemption because they were all unfamiliar and if they're unfamiliar they're not comfortable, comfortable. with it yeah. <laughs> yeah and so and that's actually still we still do a lot of that right um but uh, but they were you know in it since the very beginning um, one of them is responsible for some of the verbiage that's in the texas constitution that brought this about and the other one sat on a committee that came up with the guidelines with TPWD for the wildlife activities. Got it. Um, so yeah, Plateau has been in it since the beginning. Now we're, we got four brick and mortar offices around the state. Where um, are those? Yeah. Let's so see. mine, my region's called Hill Country South. Mine's in Bernie. Um, and then we have one in Dripping Springs. We have one out uh, east. Our sort of eastern region is, we call it Pines and Prairies. That's in Montgomery. And then we've got one in uh, Belton as well. Perfect. So kind of moving north from yeah. there. And we got our eyes on DFW, but we'll see. <laughs> good, good. So um, obviously a company with roots in Texas. Um, they've always been great uh, in supporting um, my firm uh, with, with Caldwell Banker. They came to the clay shoot, had a good time. So they definitely um, are always kind of in the same rooms that we are. Um, so you've got four brick and mortars. You've been there, stop me if I'm wrong, over a decade. Yeah, so this is my 10th year in this role as a region manager. Um, before that, I was a technician back in 2007, 8, 9, something right. like that. And then <clears throat> just life took me away for a few years and then came back here. But now been in this role for this is my 10th year yeah so i've been in the game for a while yes he's he i i have him in my phone as uh the oracle uh so <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna dive a little deeper into how a the things y'all's firm offers that clients that might own land or are looking to own land uh might take advantage of mm -hmm. and then but before we get into that you know the the physical services let's talk about and remember we're let's assume folks don't know uh much of anything uh, on the 30,000 foot level. Let's just talk about the general difference between um, ag exemption and wildlife exemption yeah. as it pertains to, for the purposes of this conversation, raw land. Yeah, so, I mean, gosh, first, you don't want to lose your exemption, right? And anytime you got change of hands, any change of ownership, um, you have to reapply to keep that exemption going, whether it's ag, wildlife, um, whatever it might be for your open space to keep that favorable tax status, right? Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> your timeline for that is if, if, even if you put your property into an LLC, you know, maybe you owned it under your name and you change, change ownership to an LLC, you still have to reapply mm -hmm. and you need to do that between January 1st and April 30th, the year after that name change or the year after you've closed. Right. right? And so that's important. Um, one thing that sets wildlife apart from ag. So when you're applying for ag, you just need that 1D1 open space form, mm -hmm. right? I think it's 50-129 on the comptroller's website. But um, with wildlife, you also need a wildlife management plan along with that right. form. And those two things have to go into the county appraisal district. For, um, for approval. 
for approval, right? That's right. your application. That's basically you're telling them, hey, I'm transitioning the primary use of this property from ag production, cattle, goats, hay, mm -hmm. orchard, whatever it might be, to focusing on the native Texas wildlife, right? And so those are the two. That's one thing that's, that's a little different is, is that wildlife plan because you don't need that plan for applying for ag. <clears throat> and then also, the, uh, so something that's similar uh, or the same, actually, the property taxes. Right. You transition from ag to wildlife, the property tax is the same, right? That right. doesn't change. So if I had 100 acres and when I bought it, which, of course, you always want to target ag exempt or wild, you want one of the exemptions in place. You don't want to be out looking for it or making it happen because it takes five years to make that a reality. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if you're a prospective buyer, you definitely want to be thinking that once an ag pr property or once the exemption Best case scenario, absolutely, it's already there. Yeah. If you want to, and your realtor, your realtor can confirm that for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to establish an exemption on a property that's currently market value tax, yeah. uh, you have to begin your ag production. Whether it's bees, goats, cattle, you throw them out there. You have to do that for five years. The sixth year, you can apply for the exemption. So that first five years, if you were to purchase a property or use the wrong realtor. We're not key on this. That first five years, you're getting hammered. You're paying market value taxes, and which is, I mean, let's 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 pause there because again, that in my opinion, I mean, that can be a 10, 15, 20 fold difference. Oh yeah, thirty to sixty times in some cases. Yeah. I mean, it's it huge. can be exponential. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're talking the difference, and I like to use hundred acres as an example. It could be a thousand, it could be ten, and we're going to talk about minimum acreages here in a minute, mm -hmm. but. But we're talking about the difference between if you're ag exempt or wildlife exempt, which we were just saying that they're the same, they're the same tax break. So if you if you have wildlife or if you have ag exemption, you get the same break mm -hmm. on the taxes. But the difference between being ag or wildlife exempt or being non-exempt mm -hmm. can be the difference in a tank of gas a year on your hundred acres for for your taxes, and it can be five six thousand dollars. Yeah, um, it can be extreme, honestly. Like, and that, it really just depends on the difference. So the way it all works it is, um, you know, if you're being taxed market value, so if you do not have a, an exemption, um, then you're being taxed on the market value of your property, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you're paying your, usually somewhere around one and a half to 2% is the tax rate, most of the areas where I work. Um, and so, you know, let's say you've got a, you know, uh, let's say you got a $300,000, dollar valued piece of land and mm -hmm. on the market value side well you're paying two percent of 300 grand every year right yep. for your for your property taxes now if you're six have grand it, if you have yeah if you have an ag exemption um then you will pay taxes on us on a a different valuation not the market valuation you pay you pay taxes on the ag production value so what you can produce off that property in a given year so the appraiser basically comes out and says you could produce you know, let's just say, to use a big number, uh, 10 grand worth of cattle on, on that. Yeah, and that's that's extremely conservative. Most of the time, it's it's far less than that. But 2% of 10 grand versus 2% of 300 grand. Exponential. Huge. Well, that, that right there, that example is a 30-fold difference. Yeah. That's yeah. simple math. Like and that's, and most places... <laughs> Most places uh, cannot produce, depending on the size, obviously. But a three hundred thousand dollar property, you're 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 not going to produce ten grand on an ag product in a year, most likely. Uh, so, 
the difference is, is exponential. It's exponential. So the, the real takeaway before we dive deeper into um, moving into wildlife and wild wildlife versus ag and the different kinds of ag, the big takeaway on this bullet point is if you're looking to buy, buy a place that's ag or wildlife exempt currently, mm-hmm. which you're your awesome real estate agent can help you make sure of. <laughs> That's right. And, and that can be verified at the appraisal district. And then when you do buy, have an agent and have the wherewithal to make sure that that next year you apply. Because if it lapses mm-hmm. when it changes hands, you start back over on that five-year clock. And that is going to be tough on your pocketbook. Um, and you are going to have to jump hoops to get back um, back. Uh, ag exempt again yeah yeah in most cases that's true you're generally starting from scratch if that's so, the case this these regulations let's before we go deeper into what services and ag versus wildlife let's go a little bit more high level and i know this is all dealt with and and all of the terms or expectations or requirements are on a county level correct this is county level stuff so the county is the gatekeeper okay. for the exemptions um, for the, in, in, in the case of wildlife, you know, it's the state comptroller mm-hmm. basically that, that puts out the, uh, sort of the appraisal district guidelines and things and, and how to, and, and the comptroller is where the laws reside basically. So wildlife, ag exemptions, you're starting at the constitution level. They're in the state constitution, right? right. So that's where it begins. And then it sort of trickles down from there. Like TPWD came up with the guidelines for the wildlife activities that you have to meet for minimum intensity standards, right? Sure. <clears throat> and so, and then there's also um, code, right? That tax code that 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 plays into this a little bit, but it all comes funnels down to the county appraisal district. They and that's the who the landowners are dealing with. Yep, they're dealing at the county level. Exactly. That's who you have to. They're the ones grading your test. Yeah. That's who you have to uh, apply to mm-hmm. and deal and deal with, and you know that's their job. So I know there's not a blanket with the the hundreds of counties we have in this in this state, but in general, is it fair to say that to qualify? And I know there's some I know there's some one-offs, but in general, the minimum acreage for ag exemption and or wildlife exemption in general, as a, if we're putting a blanket over a bunch of counties y'all service is 10 acres, 10.01 acres? Um, man, it's so hard to put a number on it. So the counties, can they, what they do is they set a um, stocking rate, right? Mm-hmm. So how many critters you're going to need um, to qualify. And if your property cannot support that, that so the minimum acreage kind of gets backed into based off yep. of that, right? Um, but with, with beekeeping becoming an option, yep. that's five acres is the minimum acreage for beekeeping, right? So that opens... In general, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's beekeeping is pretty well defined. But so five acres, if there's a house, it has to be five usable acres for the bees. Of course. So if there's a house, generally you're looking at needing six acres. Because that's right? that one acre homestead usually. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and it's capped at 20 acres, right? So beekeeping can be a great fit for some of these smaller properties. The and, but it's traditional is, ag. Yeah. It is an ag use, your ag product there. And you're an ag producer your ag product there's either the bees themselves or the honey right Right. but that's a great like so i just did a project in kindle you helped me Mm -hmm. with it and um we had six acre stuff well the six acre folks were not going to qualify for traditional cattle ag Mm -hmm. they weren't going to make it Mm -hmm. Um, but they were a qualifier or a candidate for the bees Mm -hmm. so it's a great option for great that micro option. window. And again, uh, just like every conversation, 
That's why this is a niche product. This is why you consult an expert because you have some blanket conversations or generalities like the 10 acre thing. That's kind of the general rule of thumb to be ag qualified for cattle livestock. Um, but you could find a county where that's not the case. Yeah, and they all have their quirks. You know, even if even if the the, the state level the law is written one way, and and in general it's being interpreted a certain way, mm-hmm. a county might have a quirk that you're going to have to push them on and and try and prove to them that that's the law. You know, um, and uh, and so yeah, we we work with a lot of different counties, and and you know, know most of their quirks and. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can run into folks with different interpretations of, of the law. That's kind of what happens when you have the, <laughs> the law starting at the state level. And, and it trickling makes it all down to the 200-plus counties. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, well, but on ag exemption, give the listeners just a bullet point list. We just hit beekeeping. Mm-hmm. We know livestock. There's mm-hmm. two of them. Mm-hmm. Rattle off some other interpretations. Like for my place in the river, my, my personal place in Kendall County, my ag exemption is not based off cattle. It's based off hay production. Mm-hmm. So there's three. Uh, give me some more. Yeah. Oh gosh, man. Uh, mostly we run into livestock, you know, yeah. cattle, goats, goats, sheep, um, hay production. We see that quite a bit in some areas, um, depending upon where we are, but out East timber, timber, yeah. Timber, timber exemption. Yep. Timber, timber is ag. Yeah, timber That's, is traditional ag. Um, yep. Your product, obviously, is the timber themselves. Um, generally, that's out east where you've got standing pine, right? My, of course. My, Harvestable timber. Yes, exactly. I haven't seen a timber <laughs> exemption. <laughs> That'd be on. tough to do on mesquite. <laughs> Cedar and mesquite, you know, I get people all the time asking me about it. And, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Well, it's funny that we'll get into that on the other side of that question when we get into bullet point me some wildlife activities, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, chopping down cedar. But um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so we've got, there's a bunch of different things your property can qualify for to be ag exempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you don't want to mess with, with cows. Mm-hmm. I mean, cows are a lot of effort. Um, and a lot of, a lot of my clientele, if they are going to go traditional ag exemption with cattle, is they 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 lease that out to someone local. You bet. Um, and and I'm always there to make those introductions because finding cattlemen that want to lease is not hard. <laughs> yeah, Easiest finding thing a good on earth. tenant. Getting finding a good finding tenant a good is, the is the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Finding the sure. guy that wants to put cows on the place, you can throw a rock and find those guys. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so we've got yeah. ten acres, different different numbers, but basically the takeaway is make sure your property is ag or, or wildlife exempt. So let's just pretend, or let's let's turn the other side of that coin. So ag exemption, we went over some of the uses there. Let's pretend you either want to put your property in wildlife, or maybe the property you purchased was already in wildlife. Mm-hmm. What are some of those? And and there's a plan you have to write up, which that's one of y'all's services. You y'all bet. write these plans to placate and make the county happy mm-hmm. and get accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those activities? Tell the listeners about some of those activities that I believe some are annual, some are not, that you have to do to keep up with your wildlife plan. Yeah, so there are a lot of options. One nice thing about the wildlife exemption is it does give you a lot of freedom, a lot of it's options. It's a big basket. Right, yeah, so there's 50-plus activities that you can use to maintain the exemption. Basically, those are the things you're doing on your property each year uh, instead of feeding your cows or, you know, your goats or, or cutting your hay, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're shifting your primary focus on the property from that, from the ag production to 
the native Texas wildlife, right? And so wildlife exemption is activity based, right? It's not it's not results based. Mm-hmm. So what the landowner has to do is show the show that they are doing these activities. They don't have to show that they're actually having a positive impact on the wildlife. They don't have to prove that, right? They will. The activities that you do will absolutely have a positive impact on the habitat and on the wildlife. That's part of the point of the of the of the uh, of the wildlife exemption. But um, there, so all these potential activities that a landowner can do are broken up into seven activity categories, mm-hmm. right? So um, you've got um, the first one being habitat management. Okay. Most commonly what we see here, um, hunting itself yeah. is bullet, bullet management. You're removing mouths from the property, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're hunting and killing and, uh, and killing deer, um, whitetail deer, then you, you know, you're reducing the browse pressure, right? Yep. If you are, uh, you can kill exotics too, you yep. know, that helps the natives. Right. So you have to be focused on the natives, your target species for your wildlife plan mm-hmm. have to be natives, right? If you're running a whole bunch of exotics on a property and that's your main focus is producing exotics, that's a livestock, that's exotic livestock. That's a whole different ball game. That's more like cattle, right? So that's another option for some folks. Right. Um, but, uh, back to the native wildlife side, removing the exotics or hunting, keeping their, their populations in check. Yep. That can be a great, um, great activity, um, on the habitat management side. Um, and in their case, sometimes you're reducing browse pressure and graze pressure because a lot of those exotics are grazers, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, other things in there, um, you can do like native reseeding, you can yep. do cedar control, you know? Yeah. Can, that's, that that's, is a popular one. Th- and I, I, I bought a machine just for that reason yeah. for my clients. I have a shredder, and um, we have been called in for people meeting their wildlife management plan requirements to eat a certain mm-hmm. amount of cedars because mm-hmm. cedars are a giant sponge. They what is it? What is the number? You know this forty percent of the precipitation that falls in the umbrella of a cedar never makes it to the ground. Oh, it's yeah. some obscene number. So when you, yeah, I mean, when you have a really thick secondary growth cedar stand, we've all been in them. There's nothing that grows underneath it. It's no, just it's dirt. wasteland. Yeah, it's just dirt. There's needles and things there, but there's nothing that grows. There's nothing under them for critters to eat. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean they can't utilize it as bedding habitat or something like that, but a monoculture of anything on a property a problem. isn't great for wildlife. Yeah. You need a variety of things, right? And so, yeah, set, gr- controlling that cedar. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean clearing every cedar off of a property. Um, you know, no, it's, and, a, it's a strategy. It, yeah, and it depends on the age of the cedar. You know, secondary growth cedar, if it's six inches in diameter, you know, um, at chest high, that's generally considered secondary growth cedar, and most of it can go. Um, but uh, some of those old growth cedars, you know, uh, they've been there just as long as the oaks. You know, yeah. it's good to have a good mix. Uh, but you can open up some of that stuff, create canopy, you know, yeah. holes in the canopy so that some sunlight does get to the soil and create, uh, you know, new gr- grass growth, weed growth, for, you know, you get and some edge browse habitat, coming in there. You know, edge, edge, it's all about edge, edge. habitat, dude. Yeah. And so cedar, I don't, I just don't know a lot of folks that own <laughs> property in the hill country that don't cut cedar. Right. So that yeah. Usually and there's a lot of ways one. to do that, but, but the most effective yeah. is to utilize a, some form of a shreddy with a track steer. It, it's, it's a, for a large, yeah, if you're doing a lot of clearing, if you're doing a, some large scale projects, yeah, machinery comes into play for sure. Oh. For your wildlife exemption, though, I mean, it can be as easy as a machete, you mm-hmm. know, walking around. Or some that open cool areas. thing that you put on your um, yeah, yeah. weed eater. Oh, I've sure. done that for clients. Oh, where I've you, done you it can, too. That, that is it. a really good tool. You can buy 
a, a it's basically looks like a, a blade saw mm-hmm. and it goes on your weed eater and as long as you're running a gas weed eater you can go out there and really make some progress uh, mm-hmm. and again you're not stacking or anything you're just knocking them below the last or below the bottom so that they die but yeah yeah and, and you're cutting you're cutting knee high hip high small cedars yeah. and that can qualify you know Absolutely just keeping these open areas open and keeping that cedar beat back can be a habitat management activity yeah and stuff like so you've got cedars we've got bullets mesquite, mesquite. we've got well we've got bullets for critters yep we've i've gone around i know one of them is bird boxes i've gone around yeah. and built bird boxes and put them out that qualifies <laughs> as and you don't have to do all these things your management plan is put together by a professional like Dusty to meet your property and your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so bird boxes. What about uh, and and aren't feeders uh, mm-hmm. a certain level of feeding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, kind of backing up just a little bit. Um, there's lots of options for habitat management. You can do prescribed burns, reseeding, cedar, mesquite, chemical, mechanical sure. control, spraying, all over. Yeah, spraying prickly pear. Lots of options. Moving down towards some of the other activity categories, like you're saying, supplemental shelter is where yep. the nest boxes fall. Also, brush piles, right? Yep. So if you're cutting a bunch of cedar, you got a bunch of you slash get to kill two around, birds with one stone. You can make some brush piles and supplemental shelter. Yeah. yeah, so that can be a great sort of almost twofer, right? Yep. Um, and then uh, you mentioned feeders, supplemental food. Well, yeah, feeders absolutely. and shooting critters. There's another twofer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're running game cams on those feeders, there's another one. Then you can leverage those game cams as a census activity. That's another one, right? And so if you've got um, feeders, there are some requirements. They got to be free choice, right? So they can't be on a timer and things like that. So corn feeders typically on a timer are not going to qualify as a supplemental food activity, but they are a bait station for harvesting and for census activities. So they're not useless, but they technically won't qualify for supplemental feed even though most a lot of appraisal districts don't know that um the devil's in the the details details, and that's part of our job right (laughs) is to make sure that you are above board if the state audits the counties that you're still good to go um but uh if you're feeding a lot of times what we'll recommend for landowners depending upon what their goals are and that's our big part of our job is to figure out okay what is the best fit for not just this property, but this landowner, yeah. right? What are their goals? What do they enjoy? What do they not enjoy? How often are they on the property? How, how far tools away do they have they? In, at yep. their disposal? Because, you know, given that information, you might have a guy that's on his property for, you know, just the weekends, a few weekends, a handful yeah. of weekends and out of the year. He just wants to enjoy it. He wants to have, yeah, he doesn't want to work when he's there every mm-hmm. single time. We can generally write a plan where he can get everything done for his wildlife activities in just a handful of weekends yep. out of the year. He's filling feeders. Yep. Maybe he's cutting some cedar, stacking some yep. cedar. Um, maybe he's spraying some prickly pear. He's hunting. If he's killing hogs, there's another that's one. another activity. That's predator control, Nobody likes right? Nobody And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be hard. It can be these, we can write a plan that has some overarching conservation-minded, you know, big projects. Sure. Um, water features man yeah yeah water supplemental water is another one and so Mm -hmm. is erosion control right so ponds tanks spreader dams check dams that falls into erosion control in general and then providing water is Mm -hmm. is another potential so troughs can be used or so a long list is the punchline of wildlife qualifying wildlife activity not only is it a long list but most folks these days that own land own it for these purposes and a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, recreational specifically, um, they buy a property to do some hunting, you know, enjoy the wildlife, you know, um, manage the habitat, things like that. Yeah. And so a lot of, most of what we find is, is that most folks are 
already doing these activities that can qualify them for the wildlife exemption, right? Well, yeah, backing that up, I mean, the majority of my clientele <laughs> who buy for recreational purposes, and I want to define that because you, you're going to hear me throw that term around a ton. I define, me personally, define recreational as I don't live on it. Uh, I, I could live an hour, I could live three hours, I could live seven hours, uh, but I'm driving down looking to dirt bike, ride four-wheelers, plink 22s, fish in the stock tank, um, get a little tractor therapy, sit in the blind with my <laughs> kids or my grandkids and plink some pigs and some deer in season, whack some dove with the boys. That's what I'm defining as recreational. And so a lot of my clientele, and, the, and, we, and I think you would safely say the majority of properties are in ag exemption, lesser in wildlife than are in ag. And um, so a lot of my clients say, Gaines, I'm, I'm not looking to have cows here. I don't want to have cows tipping my feeders over and, and poo everywhere and worry about them getting out in fences. I, I don't need that problem. How do I still realize the same tax break? And the punchline is we need to transition, keyword, we need to transition from ag uh, exemption to wildlife, and then the next thing I do is hand them your number, and that's <laughs> that's the that's the play. So, a lot of my clients want to make that transition, and then you know they want to be able to, like you said, when they arrive for those five, six, eight, ten weekends, they get a year to enjoy the place. They get to do just that, mm -hmm. enjoy the place. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's actually, gosh, man, a lot of the conversations I have on a daily basis are. Um, new landowners or existing landowners, but just curious about what are my options, mm -hmm. you know, like what does it look like if I'm cattle, goats, mm -hmm. hay versus what's it look like if I transition to wildlife management, you know, and, and a lot of that, a lot of some of that is property dependent, you know, like if you if you've purchased a property that has an ag exemption, sort of legacy ag exemption, but you've got fencing that's down, you know, and it's going to cost a ton of money to fix the fences and yep. you can't throw cattle out if you don't have fences. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll, you take those, just talk through that kind of thing with people um, thinking about that. But also, what do you want to do with your time when you're on the property? Yep. You know, do you want to have to be out there on a consistent basis, almost daily basis to check on livestock? Or do you want to uh. not have to check on livestock? You know, like if they're your cows, somebody's cows got to be watched, you know, whether they're getting out and causing mayhem and chaos. And they or, are. And they, <laughs> and they are. And they are. <laughs> or, you know, getting hung up in a fence or put, whatever it it's is. It's always something. Um, you know, it, it just, it, sometimes it's personal preference. And some folks, we, my family's got a small place, Southern Medina County. We still run cows. We love yeah. them, you know. Um, they, well, in the right situation, they have their place. Absolutely. But a I, lot of my absentee rec guys, and I, you'll hear me say that term in this podcast all the time, my absentee rec guys, they they have enough dishes in the air. They want to show up and relax. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm not here to sell anybody on wildlife management as much as educate them. Like, here's what it looks like if you do it. Here's what it looks like if you're an ag. What's the best fit for yeah. you, right? Um, and there, there's lots of properties, granted, not as many in my area because I'm mm -hmm. a lot of hill country. You are, yep. And they're just not a lot of great grazing in I the know, hill country. Yeah. Um, but out east and, 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 you know. Well, and down in my way, B and Goliad and DeWitt exactly. and Gonzales. And South, yeah. Dude, there's some, still some, there's some great grazing country. And, you know, we'll tell a landowner, hey, man, you've got a good tenant. Um, you've got rain. You've got grass. You step right into it. Cows are working, you yep. know. Like, 
that's you're fine. Um, rain, you may what, not need, rain? yeah, right. What rain these days? Ugh. You may not need this, but you know, here's here's another option. Wildlife, keep it be for your bonnet, keep it in your back pocket if the cows mm-hmm. or the tenant. Um, we run into tenants um, a lot that you know tenants just just get out of the game, you know, and then they're looking for oh well, I got to save, I got to keep my taxes low, and so then wildlife can be a great option even if it's temporary yeah got a lot of folks going to wildlife for an extended rest yep. you know or, and then come back and then come back to ag because you can switch yeah. so yeah you can that's important and again we we, we have all le- uh, levels of listeners uh knowledge base on on land it's a fluid situation you mm-hmm. can move between them um but yep. you need and stop me if i'm wrong on this and i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole you need <laughs> to be ag to apply for a wildlife plan correct yeah, yep uh, having okay. an open space exemption which mm-hmm. which has to be an open place. space valuation which is usually ag that's usually what we're talking about it's usually 1D1. livestock yep. or crops it's 1d1 open space that is a prerequisite you have to have that exemption in place before you transition it to wildlife yep. right ag exemption's got to be in place to go into wildlife yep. but it doesn't work the other way right so once you've gotten your ag exemption um, and you transition to wildlife, you're not actually out of ag. Ag is a, su- uh, it's a sorry, subs- it's a wildlife subsidiary. is a subset yep. of ag. It lives in the same paragraph of the Texas Constitution, yep. right? With the um, same tax breaks. Same tax, same property tax break. There, uh, if you get out of ag production 100%, right? So if you're an ag producer, you're running a business on that property. Right. And I'm not a CPA. <laughs> uh, and uh, But there are some tax benefits to running a business on a property right so if you stop ag production completely um then i would you know i'd visit with your cpa talk about what other impacts it may have if you're no longer running a business on that property um but um going to wildlife you're not producing anything anymore so you're not necessarily running a business you still can Mm -hmm. you can sell hunts you can lease it you can still actually on a lot in a lot of cases you can still run some cows or some goats or produce some hay um, it just comes down to what's the primary use. If you're running cattle on a wildlife property, it's just got to be secondary use. That was one of the big benefits of wildlife in the beginning was these large operations that are having to meet these stocking rates. If they wanted to run at a reduced rate below the stocking rate, well, mm-hmm. then their taxes are in danger of going up. Right. But what they can do is they can put the entire property in a wildlife exemption, run at the stocking rate that they want to, still mm-hmm. be a producer, right? Still keeping it below the yep. stocking rate. So wildlife is still the primary use of the property, becomes the primary use of the property. Mm-hmm. The cattle are the secondary use and they're, they're keeping their, their taxes in the same place and they're stocking the cows at the reduced level that they want to, right? So they can work and you can even use the cows as a wildlife management tool, flash yep. grazing, rotational grazing, yep. things like that. So on larger properties, especially, that can be a great fit. The smaller property gets, the harder it gets to mix the uses. Yeah, oh, there's just not enough acreage. Yeah, yeah. and it beca- it's, it's nuance and, and, you know, some of it's county dependent and what they perceive that day. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what we're here for is to help people kind of figure out the balances and what's the best fit and all that stuff. So obviously consultation, number one service that Plateau you know, is there for and, mm-hmm. and, and provides for folks. Um, last thing I want to talk about, someone's bought a property. Mm-hmm. They've talked about the options. They've decided to go one route or the other. Let's, for the argument's sake, let's say they go wildlife or want to transition into wildlife. Besides writing that management plan, mm-hmm. besides this exact level of conversation of consultation, mm-hmm. yep. what else does Plateau offer? service wise yeah so from a wildlife standpoint if you're wanting to apply for 
or transition to wildlife exemption, we can offer anything as much or as little help as they may want or need, right? Okay. Um, so we can do uh, the plan and the application as we've talked about that's necessary, mm-hmm. um, but we can do all the way out to turnkey as well, right? So if, if we've got somebody who just doesn't want to, um, they don't want to touch it, at right. all they don't want to t- all they want to do is write a check every now and then yep. um, then we can do the plan the application we can install hardware feeders nest boxes yep. whatever you know water tables whatever's necessary on for the that. ground yep for yep. that property we'll deliver it we'll install it um and then we'll maintain it we'll come out periodically throughout yep. the year check nest boxes fill feeders do everything necessary along with the documentation annual reports so the interaction with the county you know, yep mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah so many of our well all of our plan writing biologists are also registered property tax consultants so we are your agent to the county for your exemption at that point Perfect. right and so so yeah we're basically doing we can do um that's what allows us to sub, to fill out the application and submit it for you um and also annual reports and things like that nice. and we can call the county right ask them about hey we and keeping up to date with the newest and the latest because mm-hmm. it's a moving it's it's a moving target sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and so we write a five year wildlife management plan, right? And that's become industry standard basically because we do it. But um, you know, most counties will want a new application every five years or so. Um, we now, granted, we have some some clients that are fifteen years into their five year plan just because the county hadn't asked for a new application right, and right, they're happy right. with it, and it's fine. Um, but we recommend being proactive. Go ahead and every five years put in a new application um, and just staying on top of that stuff. So we, we handle reapplications, annual reports, consulting. Nice. If we write your plan, that includes a site visit. We send one of our biologists out, who's also a tax consultant, like I mentioned, to visit on the property and have these detailed discussions, kind of like what we're doing, but yeah. more specific, obviously. On-site. What do you enjoy? Yeah. Do you have a tractor? You mentioned that tractor therapy, you know? Hey, yeah. I like to get on my tractor and do and some And some guys just eat it up with a spoon. Hey, man, yeah. you can get it, jump on your tractor in one afternoon, do some strip mowing, and yep. that's one of your activities for the year done. And they're super Take excited to do it. done, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, so. Yeah, it's different strokes for different folks mm-hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I've, I've known, so, so you guys basically are, you're like ordering a la carte, and I love that. You guys can be a consultation, <laughs> yes all the way down to whatever depth and budget a landowner might Mm -hmm. have. I mean, you as the landowner can do all of this on your own. Like there's no part of this you can't do. Yep. But if you don't want to deal with that, that's where, that's where you guys offer your expertise. And then a lot of my guys, they come to y'all initially for the plan writing Mm -hmm. and for the education of Mm -hmm. what we're doing. And then once the plan, the wildlife plans and filed with the County and they're good to go, Mm They keep up with it, yep. And they put the boxes out, and they do, and they do their little paperwork once a year, and yep. they roll down the road, and they're happy with that. And then, and then there's no more money fees or outgoing. But they need that initial consultation to put their arms around what are my options. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, all this stuff. We're just a professional service company, you know. Yep. All this stuff, just like your taxes, you can do it on your own, you know. Um, but folks will hire us. Similar reasons you might hire a CPA to do your taxes for peace of mind, less yeah, stress, knowing that somebody's handling it that does this every day. Like it's not a sideline. Yep. This is what we do. It's our livelihood. I we write more. thousands of these every year, literally. Um, and so um, we've done a lot of this. We've at, and uh, and um, our crew is. Yeah, I mean, I can't brag on them enough, but our crew is, is phenomenal. They're the best. They are. Is. I um, had the pleasure of meeting a bunch of them at the uh, skeet shoot. It was nice yeah. to talk to the guys. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, 
it's a uh, it's a good it's a good um, good fit good option we can like you said a la carte you know um, actually in my region I run into a ton of DIY folks right yeah, of but course. they don't want to take the time to learn the guidelines of course. in and out to figure out, okay, what activities do I want to do and how much of it do I need to do and when do I need to do it and mm-hmm. all the little, like you said, devils in the details, right? Yeah, how so, many acres of cedar do I need to cut? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Whereas, yeah. you know, in a couple-hour site visit with one of our biologists, we can visit with them. They're about, lined out. Yep, and, and be like, okay, these are going to be the ones we need to look at for you. What What do you mm-hmm. think? How does this feel? What does this look like? Can you handle this? We can do that one for you if you need us to. Yeah. We don't have a contract where you have to have use our stuff or you have to you know it's like you said it's a la carte and so even folks that get into it doing it yourself they might have an off year and they don't get one or two of their activities done and they'll give us a phone call hey i've got one this one done and it feels pretty good and solid but i haven't been able to get these done like no problem we'll help you backfill right we'll Mm -hmm. figure out something that we can do that qualifies at this point of the year here's your options um you know and so we do a lot of that we can do also just ag applications you know on the ag side of things the down and dirty of it yeah on the ag because our biologists are rptcs we can do ag just regular old ag applications you know we can't help you find cows but uh, (laughs) but uh, we can do an application for you Um, and we do a ton of consulting Um, we have a sister company braun and gresham that does a whole bunch of um, landowner law right property law they do condemnation stuff pipeline routing um, all planning, the other stuff well don't worry stuff. we're gonna have somebody from them perfect. come talk to yeah, us too. <laughs> oh, well, perfect um but uh, they also there's a cool program called ecolab Eco, and i'll touch on it real quick just because it's something for folks to be aware of it's another sure. route to an exemption mm-hmm. right and it's not ag production uh, but ecolab or ecological laboratory program is basically a landowner allows access to their property for a college or university to do some research right mm-hmm. they also fund a portion of that research they can do that for five years and get the exemption and then the seventh year right get the exemption the sixth year the seventh year they can transition to wildlife mm-hmm. so it can be an alternate route to a wildlife exemption from market value um if, if cattle are just not a great option yeah it's or, just not for play yeah bad yeah. fences Ex- not mathematically correct that yeah. exactly that's where we see it a lot is in the hill country you mm-hmm. know um wh- whether it's real county or bandera sure. county or whatever and fencing is not cheap yeah it's not cheap and is in some places just not there right yeah and so sometimes ecolab can be a great fit to gain an exemption and then move on to, to wildlife yeah. to maintain it but in a perfect world uh for the folks listening you know at the end of the day you want to you want to key on a piece up uh, you want to you want to buy a piece that's already sure. got some form of exemption in play yeah. that that five-year run-up is an option only if you're endeavoring down a, ru- a property that has dropped their exemption or never had yeah. it in the first place yeah and if as they're looking you know um with their awesome agent if they're as you're looking like i, I talk to people who are wanting to buy property all the time like hey how do i how do i know if yeah. it has an ag exemption or how do i mm. you know like these things and so i'll walk through that with people on a regular basis as well folks conversation that are just looking with for yeah property. conversation yeah. with the appraisal district backing into the tax history mm-hmm. it's there um and and it's definitely something you do your due diligence on the, the majority 95 percent of properties are are in it you just need to make sure it's all buttoned up and what that and then what are that county's expectations you know mm-hmm. those things are there well, I, I, I think that is ending on what services y'all offer are basically from being on site, initial consultation, all the way down to year over year on site 
hands on deck interactions y'all offer it all yeah from a wildlife standpoint yeah. all the way from nothing to turn key yeah. and anywhere and, and, in between and a long yeah and, and a storied uh texas firm which we we love you know we love that Four brick and mortars. You can find them online, plateauwildlife.com. Mm-hmm. I'm going to link that, and I'm going to link Dusty's cell phone number and his email. Mm-hmm. He is a wealth of knowledge. We are going to have him on again. I said the same thing in episode one with Wade. We can't get oh, all. We can't. So it, the yeah. depth of some of this stuff goes way down the rabbit hole. I'm, I'm starting the land beat uh, conversation now at the higher level to give folks just get their arms around all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as we progress, we're going to do one a month. We're going to have guys back on and go further down nice. the rabbit hole because as you and I know that this is the tip of the spear, but yeah, well, uh, we appreciate y'all support. Um, I actually got the flyer the other day for the skeet shoot. Uh, so I'll send it to you. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. If nothing else, get a team. Um, Absolutely. it's going to be, They've got another course at Joshua Creek. So um, that's going to be a really good outing. Uh, and I'm going to link that to uh, the podcast as well. Uh, it's open to anybody. It'd be a great place if you're in the market for land to come out and meet guys just like Dusty because it's land lenders and <laughs> land surveyors and title companies and guys like y'all are at this skeet shoot we do at Joshua Creek. Yeah, all uh, land. Yeah, it's all land. So um, we'll, we'll certainly link that as well. I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking the time. I want to see that elk when we wrap this up. (laughs) You bet. But thanks for the time, and I will uh, circle back with you down the road, and we'll come back into this and go a little further down the rabbit hole. Yep, a lot of weeds to get into. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.